Chapter 36, Back to the Deep, I didn't know what I could do to help the followers, though their family members contacted me often, asking if I knew what happened to their mothers, fathers, grandmothers, grandfathers, sisters, and brothers. I took every call and replied to every email as best as I could though I didn't always have the answers they were looking for. I gave extensive interviews to journalists, including Joe Pirro for a two-part feature in Mainline Today about the future of the peace mission movement. I've participated and contributed in studies by universities to piece together the happenings of the secretive movement. I've had a lot of issues to deal with concerning my childhood, the feelings of abandonment, and the abuse, there was nothing I could do about it. Lori lovingly suggested I get into therapy. I did and got to see that what happened to me was never my fault. It was probably no coincidence that around that time everything in my life seemed to fall into place, and I knew what to do. The idea had been brewing in my mind for years was coming to the forefront. I often thought about my days fishing in Cabo San Lucas, and how my relationship with Lori was solidified in Cabo. Fishing was an important part of my life that gave me peace. Fishing was always there for me, so I decided to start my own charter fishing company in Cabo with Lori. There was a 1978 35-foot Bertram boat for sale in Cabo called Blue Magic. The owner wanted a lot more for it than I was willing to pay. But he wouldn't reduce the asking price. Several months later, we saw the same boat for sale in San Diego and this time it was a fair transaction for all involved. I began removing the word blue, but it was a real bitch. When I finally removed it, we laughed knowing the boat would now be named Cabo Magic and the name said it all, many people told us it was going to be very difficult to start a business in Cabo, and that it would cost tens of thousands of dollars. Undeterred, I made several trips to Cabo. Both with and without Lori. I learned a lot about Mexican law, and the locals were teaching me Cabo Spanish and I was getting real good. On of my trips alone I went to have tortilla soup at Villa Serena. It had become a new habit of mine to smoke cigars, which I would dip in cognac. Another man came in, also alone. We acknowledged each other and after I'd finished my soup, I asked if he would mind my smoking. He smiled and asked if he could join me. We talked all night about the ocean and fishing. Neither of us talked about our personal lives, nor what we did for a living. It was just one of those times when I felt like I was hanging out with an old friend. Lori and I were ready to put our boat to work. Our contrador, Manlio, explained that step one of the lengthy process began with Senor Andres, the port captain. We had to do a formal presentation explaining how and what we were going to do. If the port captain allowed us to proceed, a document had to be signed off by about a dozen government officials. And this could take several months, maybe even as long as a year, and was expected to cost upwards of $15,000. But first, everything was riding on the port captain's approval to proceed. We arrived early for our 9 a.m. appointment. We checked in with Irma, who showed us where to wait. Promptly at the top of the hour, Irma stood up and opened the door to the private office. Introductions were made, and Manlio began the presentation to Andres. A few moments in, Andres interrupted Manlio. He looked at me and asked, Do we know one another? I smiled and replied that I didn't believe we were acquainted. 
Andres sat back and Manlio continued. A few minutes later, Andres snapped his fingers and said, I know you. We smoked cigars dipped in cognac at Villa Serena, yes, I do now remember you, but I surely didn't know it was you, I said, Tommy, what can I do for you? I want to put my boat to work, and start a charter business, I said, of course. Let me take care of this and get you set. Andres called Irma and instructed her to have that document back on his desk within two weeks' time. In that moment, all of the thousands of dollars and years of paperwork were bypassed, our business took off with unparalleled success. No one did fishing as an organized business. We were contacted by boat owners, Mexican, American, Canadian, and German, asking if they could become part of Team Cabo Magic, meanwhile, Father's teachings were part of everything, take care of everybody. Treat everybody as equals. When I was at the marina, it didn't matter if an NFL star was in front of me, or a Hollywood star, I treated my crew as equal to them. I did exactly as Father had done, Father's lessons to treat people fairly ways into all of my life decisions, so much it is our business motto. Cabo Magic Sport Fishing, we treat everyone with dignity and respect. It hurts to remember Pop's reaction to all that was happening. In 1999 I flew him down to Cabo. To spend the week with me, fishing on Cabo Magic. At the marina, he took one look at the boat and said he wanted to go home. In 2005 Pop said he wanted to sell the house on Parkview. That house was supposed to be mine. When Mom signed the quit claim deed in 1989, she specified as much. But Pop begged me to take care of Consuelo and Anna. When the house sold, I have away two-thirds of the proceeds, Lori, and I made sure he went to the best retirement home we could afford. We bought each of them new cars. But it pains me to admit that it was obvious he thought more about Consuelo and Anna. I was part of his first family, they were the new one, in 2010, I received an email from Anna on Christmas Day morning. It said, Dad has passed away on December 23rd. He died of cardiac arrest. I have done all the funeral service preparation. She told me I could email her if I had any questions, Lori and I were in Cabo. We rushed to California to make it to the services. It was a lot to arrange, and very expensive to travel. As it was between Christmas and New Year's. When we arrived at the viewing, one of my uncles made a remark that I was disrespectful because I wasn't in a suit. A suit meant nothing to me. I'd worn the finest clothes money could buy. To me getting there to pay my respects was more important than clothing. I decided that with the way Consuelo, Anna and the rest of the family treated me I'd had enough. I paid my last respects to Pop and we left, I thought that was the end of the Garcia family and me. Until I received another email many years later. A young woman wrote, I was born on May 7, 1985, in Los Angeles at the Hollywood Presbyterian Medical Center. When I was born my mother gave me up for adoption. I was told her name was Susan Garcia Shapiro. She went on to say she'd been looking for her birth mother for some time and that she'd been told she was conceived and raped to a mother and father who lived in a car. She said she'd found on my website that Susie had died long ago. 
I had hoped that she might be alive and well and that I might be able to meet her one day and let her know that I love her and am forever grateful for the decision she made to give me up for adoption. She wanted nothing more than pictures and stories. I wrote her back and told her how she had been conceived in a relationship, not rape. I told her the whole truth about her mother, she was in awe, but glad to know it. And I was glad to know Susie's daughter.